Hello, and welcome to this roughly 30 or 40, who knows how long I make it, minute preview of the recent Calmly Buy Your Game co-op discussion all about God of War Ragnarok. What is a Call Me By Your Game co-op discussion, you might ask? Well, they're a different episode from the normal episodes that I release weekly here on this show. They are not the one-on-one intimate interviews that I do with someone on one game uh, that was meaningful to them, but it's more of a panel group discussion on an impactful game and a thorough one at that. And this is the 30th episode that we've done for this series that all live on our Patreon at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. And uh, it's just one of many of them that are just absolutely amazing. Uh, I love talking with people about video games. Uh, I think my friends are really great at articulating themselves, and we have an absolute blast when we do it. So I would encourage you to check us out. If you end up enjoying this preview and you want to hear the rest of this episode, the other 29 episodes that we've done, almost over 120 Super NPCs episodes, three different games clubs, uh, a lot of great stuff on our Patreon at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. You can find it all there. Uh, this is a part of the $10 DJ Toad tier, um, but we also have offerings at the $5 Mailroom Toad tier. But again, if you enjoy the discussion but from myself, Nick Costanza, Mike Christian, and Matt Apodaca, I think you're going to enjoy uh, the rest of the episode that's there for you, including an episode we did a year ago all about the original God of War from 2018. So again, if you like that, uh, check us out at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. Otherwise, I'll go ahead and let you enjoy uh, a snippet of our discussion. Thank you for listening. us off with the topic which is uh which is very easy which is getting into the game i think the game also starts not it not doesn't quite hit the same way that the first one does i think that's just because we played the first game and it's got a very similar opening that said still built a lot of excitement and anticipation for me um because at the end of the first game you get teased meeting thor uh as just like a sort of a cut scene mm-hmm. at the very end um but this is the first time where you're actually meeting Thor and the antagonist, Odin, at the very beginning of the game. Um, Nick, uh, you know, you you got to get through a lot of this before a lot of us because, unfortunately, you got sick right when this game came out. Um, how do you feel about this opening in general and just getting into the game? Yeah, so I, I'll preface with uh, you mentioned this isn't a... Uh version of your show where we talk about having a story about playing the game but i do because by all means though, if someone has one um i went to best buy the day it came out they were completely sold out i found out they'd sold out within one hour went home i was sick with covid the next morning um, and i was like oh no so i ended up caving i bought it digital and for the next five days where i was really sick like almost can't get out of bed sick I devoted all my time to this game. Uh, 
And uh, in the opening, I just don't want to skip over it. There is a fun action-packed cold open where you're riding on the yes. sleigh and you get attacked by Freya. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and I liked that. That was neat. I was very pleasantly surprised that she didn't die there, which I was worried about. Mm-hmm. But then you do a little mission and we get to this big reveal. Everybody was excited for Thor. We all knew that was coming. What I didn't expect was for Odin to walk in right after him. And I loved it. I thought it was great. That that cutscene, maybe my favorite moment in the game. (laughs) I thought Thor was so interesting, well-drawn as a character. I kind of liked him as a little bit of a sad drunk who only values the fight. I And his voice is incredible. And then um, Odin walks in and he's literally just the actor, which is an old Jewish man. <laughs> and it's yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Richard Schiff Sith. from the West Wing. Mm-hmm. And, and he's speaking very colloquially. Like he's speaking as if he his dialogue was written in 2022, kind of, which kind of threw me a little bit. But then I was like, no, I do like it. I, it it's a little weird and i would say this game is more anachronistic than the first one mm-hmm. uh dialogue does tend to be a little more modern if it had just been odin i would have preferred that because for an all-powerful god to talk that way to me is not as strange for some reason as say Bach and sindri doing it which becomes more and more prominent <laughs> yeah um I mean, this is already just getting into like one of the things that we might talk about throughout, which is another, I think, a, a part of the game that I think is incredible, and it, which is the performances. Once again, you know, credit goes to both the actors who are who are playing and voicing these characters and doing all the mocap, but also like, you know, the illustrators, the engineers, the programmers who are able to build this technology, but the performances, whether or not I felt like the story was all it was like, you know, uh, cohesive at times, or uh, I still think the performances were amazing. And in this game, for me, like Odin and Freya were like two big highlights for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, as someone who, you know, is involved in filmmaking, who has an appreciation for the arts, uh, <laughs> any performances that st- stood out to you, um, whether it's a, a character or a scene or a moment? Uh, I think what well, I- I think something that does stand out is, and this is like, I think probably animation uh, art, like, I don't know how they animated all this stuff, but some of just, there are moments where Kratos is just kind of like looking Mm -hmm. (laughs) that are some of the more convincing facial uh, acting I've seen in a video game. Because yeah, obviously the performances are all incredible. Like the guy who does Kratos is incredible. Um, I even think the guy does Mimir is like really good. Mm. It's a lot of good stuff. The writing is all good. Um, Yeah, what's interesting to me is I I acknowledge the writing is very good. The voice acting is incredible. And I'm sure we'll get into this. There's times when the game didn't hold my attention in the way that the first game did. Yeah. Um, And which is interesting to think about in terms of storytelling. It's like, yes, we have good writing. We have good performances. But can this sort of movie style storytelling work in an extended 48 hour long yeah. experience? And I think sometimes it, it can, and it's not because they're doing a bad job. It's just the medium, but. Yeah, you know, when you, I don't know what that was. Uh, when you bring that up, Mike, um, it, it 
just brings to mind, I mean, starting to even get into it now, the more more specifically what I think ha- sort of happens with this game and its storytelling. Nick actually was the person to bring this to my attention. But Nick and I were texting, like, I think right when I finished the game uh, about a week and a half ago. And Nick reminded me that, you know, the first game has one very clear objective. Um, and we know who we're going to be with. And we're with those two characters. And then, you know, three once Mimir joins the party and meeting other people throughout, um, like Freya. It's got a one clear objective. This game is bigger in scope, not only in like the the game mechanics, but where the story goes. And there's multiple storylines going on, and multiple uh, sort of uh, I guess character arcs that that we, we we had multiple character arcs in the last game, but it seems like these span way wider uh, as opposed to being more narrow. N- yeah, Nick, do you or Matt, go ahead, Matt. I was gonna say because even like even. There are characters that you meet that like are with you like for a significant chunk in the game. That when they're not with you, they're also doing their own thing and like doing like like they're not yes. just like waiting around for you to come back. They're sort of like, okay, you're gonna go do that. I'm gonna go do this, and you like sometimes you don't see them yeah. uh, for like a little while, and then they come back, and that's just like, and you get the context of like what they were up to later. Mm-hmm. Like okay, like yeah, they uh, like Freya went and uh, like. I uh, went on this other mission and she came back and now she has these people or whatever. And it's like, okay, great. Like, that's good to know. Like, uh, I'm glad that seemed to work out. Um, and yeah. even like switching between like uh, Atreus and Kratos, which was like a big surprise also. Like, it was like, oh, yes. cool. Like, cause yeah, you can tell so much story with just Kratos and playing as him. But like Atreus really had uh, an interesting arc in the last game. Mm-hmm. And to then give him, sort of agency through gameplay in this story too i thought was very important and very like i don't know i also i was like i love his sections i I was interested to then maybe hear what what, uh you guys thought of playing as him and then all because i i i'm trying to stay just like off line so i don't know like if people liked the general consensus well yeah but i love it lightly matt because we might have opinions one way or the other (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy for that. I I personally loved it. Uh, just because I was like, you know, you're used to playing as Kratos and stuff. Yeah. But like, just getting a different change of pace, a different move set. I was like, this is cool. I like this. I, I will say, when we first went with Atreus and he met that that other giant girl, Boda. Yeah. I was pretty bored at a at a certain point. But then once it got to <laughs> we have to uh, kill that giant lady's kettle. I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but like just them kind of like walking around and like riding that old, that big yak. Yeah. I was kind of yes. like, when do I go to Muffelstein or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Like, and I would say that's my note. It's not necessarily that you played as him that was the problem. It was for how long it took. That was a long <laughs> section too. Yes. I feel like at least the other sections with him kind of get straight to it at, at or, or get to it faster well, uh, yes point, once you yeah. start to upgrade the abilities and you can fight and that's when you get more agency as a player and yeah. you feel less uh whoever said you're kind of watching this as a movie experience that's what that felt like mm-hmm. to me definitely very i mean plenty of this game can be linear at times you go through a linear tunnel and then it sort of widens out to oh here's an area you can explore then you're back in more of a linear area this part with atreus yeah the second i think believe this is the second time we are controlling him as opposed to kratos 
and it did drag in those ways and i think the only reason i one of the big reasons i felt like that was not with the character because i like ang- the character angraboda mm-hmm. and i like their relationship and like what they sort of discover by having a friendship through each other um but it was that yeah those sections with like the yak and that thing it doesn't feel like you're really doing anything or you're yeah. just going on the yak at one point, Atreus is like, can this yak go any faster? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of like, well, yeah, you could have made it go fast. Yeah. It, yeah. Could it could have been a fast yak. It's a magical yak. It doesn't need to go slow. Yeah. Um, this game... I th- go Sorry, go ahead. I want to say, uh, going back to story real quick, because I think this, after some pondering, is ultimately where my issue lies. And again, I played this game nonstop for probably 40 hours. I put the time in. I was sick. (laughs) And I liked it. At the end of the day, I still liked this game. But it's story that I have a big issue with. Like, to expand on what I said to Connor, the first game is this pin missile. You know exactly what you're going to do at the beginning, and you know exactly when the story ends. You're taking the ashes to the top of the highest mountain there's a twist at the midpoint where you get to what you think is the top and it's not and there's another bigger mountain but the objective remains the same also that game has such a great unfolding of character it has this branching dual uh hero's journey structure where you learn about kratos and atreus and their relationship with each other at the same time this game has an unclear objective at the start and by the end I still wasn't entirely sure what was going to happen or what I was trying to do. Um, You know, Ragnarok is upon us. Okay. So what, (laughs) what's that mean? I don't know. And you're kind of trying to figure it out. And I wasn't even sure if the game knew at some points, because when you go off and you branch off as Atreus, I still wasn't really sure what it was building toward. And it it seemed like it was more like theme focus, like the theme of like, yeah is there free will are you a prisoner to your own fate or you know and also when they're like the nature of a thing versus the form of a thing and like that's all interesting but yeah in terms of storytelling it's it's not as satisfying as will will they scatter the ashes yes they do (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) Because yeah. it's not the act of scattering the ashes that matters. Ultimately, yeah. it is their relationships with each other. It's it's more or less the MacGuffin of the first one. But here, uh, I just needed a little bit more, even if it was as simple as we got to go kill Odin and then finding a way to subvert that or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like that's the objective. It certainly wasn't to kill Thor, who was built up as this massive bad guy. He has more nuance in this game. But he shows up and then doesn't appear again for 10 hours. Yeah, it's interesting. Matt, were you about to say something? I would, no, I, yeah, thinking about that, though, too, it is also just like kind of like I think what Mike was saying, I thought that was a good point of just sort of like it is It is a little more subtle because like the it's not 100% clear that like what the objective of the, of the story is, but like I feel like at the end of it, it is sort of like, yeah, like, are we the choices we make? Are like, do we have to define ourselves by that? Like, Kratos spends a good chunk of the game being like, "I'm not killing another god again. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I know what that brings." Mm-hmm. The game's called God of War. <laughs> like, and we know that he does that. So, like, him, cha- like him, feeling sort of challenged in like the by that like title and like the weight of those choices. 
I think, um, isn't story, right? Mm-hmm. That's not story. But for me, I was sort of like, that's kind of like enough. Like, I, 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 I guess I didn't need like 100% always like to know what was going on or like what the outcome of certain like quests were going to be only because like even like by the end, I was like the fact that I wasn't sure what was going to happen still was kind of exciting to me because I was like ner- like I was nervous and like I felt vulnerable to like an, a, a potential attack like from the story kind of like oh like they got me um but it was like I mean I also can see how like a game this big this huge like there's so much in it it's not quite open world but like open area right where you can yeah. Yeah. go in any sort of direction uh you choose within a given area um and there are more characters this time the story is just so much bigger i could see how it would be and it's the sequel to a masterpiece yeah. <laughs> like so all that going into it i can see how there would be like okay like what are the things we need to focus on and maybe story like is maybe not number one on yeah list, right i think about that a lot because i was playing it and i'm like this game feels a little bloated but then i'm like well what do what do customers want they probably are like we want more like everyone yeah, give wants me as DLC. many menus as you can give me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i want so many menus i want so many places to upgrade different things yes uh yeah and i think that that's like the game developers being like how do we give fans what they want and what they're mm-hmm. asking for is like time and uh you know they want the bloat even though it it makes the overall experience not as tidy as it once was and i do believe they intended this to be three games like Mm. this story to be three games but they decided to put everything into ragnarok instead yeah i think you know i could see why you would do something like that because the other conversation we would be having instead was they really stretched out some of this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Versus like they crammed. I'd, I sort of would rather there be too much than being like, we were kind of in this one area for like a long time. You know what I mean? And, and the first game kind of felt like that where yeah. I, I realized like 60, 70% through the first game, I was like, oh, I'm not going to fight Thor this game, am I? We're yeah. just going to keep hearing yeah. about it. Yeah. And I kind of was like, yeah, well, but. But yeah, like you're saying, if that happened here, we'd be saying the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't get to kill Odin, or I assume. I don't know how the game ends. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, I think unlike some video games where you have a big sequel and there's a lot of anticipation and it doesn't live up to the hype based on how it was promoted, this is actually different to me because mm-hmm. I feel like where this didn't live up to the anticipation is in the anticipation that the previous game set up, you have all this buildup to Thor and Odin and their appearances are to me great, but a little few and far between in this game, at least until the end game where there's some fun, interesting stuff that happens with them. Yeah. And then I think it's really interesting that when you say that this was originally going to be two more games, because something I've been feeling is that something's missing here and i don't know what it is i i think it could have been in this game but there's a part of me that feels like it almost jumps from act one to act three Mm -hmm. there should be this giant pantheon of norse gods and there's not 
there's three really that's kind of the fun of the original series too where like they sort of have a little more fun with the gods and sort of like you get to kill all of them like Mm -hmm. all of them they go through every single one of these guys they're like okay i guess in this one he's gonna fight hermes and you're like yeah hermes sure he's fast he's great (laughs) yeah (laughs) so on its face i i personally love a redemption story and if that's what they're building for i'm all for it in theory i don't feel like kratos needed to kill some more gods to get there yes it's sort of like how in um it's not really like this but it's something that bothers me <laughs> about this movie. Did you guys see the newest Halloween? No, I missed it. But yes, it's really bad. And <laughs> which I feel like I could say on a paywall. <laughs> it's a bad means. movie. Michael Myers is the guy in those movies that kills everybody. And that's sort of like, even if I don't think all those movies are good, but if you're going to watch a Halloween movie, that's kind of what you want to see. Michael Myers kills one person in this fucking movie, one, and this other guy, Corey Cunningham, this teenager, does the other ones. Yeah. And it's, like, insane. It's the Corey Cunningham movie. And he becomes the killer. Yes. And he's like, train me, show me how to do it. And Michael kills exactly one person. Psycho. Whoa. Yeah. Bad movie. Wow. Bad uh, <laughs> maybe kills two but i can remember one now mike we know you haven't finished this game did you get to heimdall oh i met heimdall and then we went and we saw the the fates or the norn or whatever yes. and, oh, they're, yes. and they're like you're gonna kill heimdall and then Kratos is like <laughs> no and then they make he's like, they're like here's a, a god killing weapon he's like i'll take this and my mirror's like aren't you didn't you say you aren't gonna kill him but at the current place I'm at, he's like, I'm not killing Heimdall. But I'm sure, I think Heimdall's got to get killed based on what I've seen. <laughs> I'm going to tread lightly on it, but I want to say this. Heimdall helped me realize what I thought was missing in terms of gods in this game because, first off, great performance by Scott Porter. So fun so hateable immediately and scary and he had what the old god of war game gods had where it's a god that you want to punish yeah (laughs) you want to make this guy feel bad like he's made other people feel bad and it's just a shame that he's the only one like that in this game yeah, you know, Heimdall is probably the most explicitly, like like you said, so immediately hateable. He's like the dick snowboarder in the 80s movie. He's trying to ruin everyone's fun. Uh, he's a rich kid. Uh, he's very scary. Like, there's something about him that was scary, too. It's how um, they, they show his, what he's able to do, like what like what his yeah. powers are. Like, they, have, yeah. they like, it, he seems unstoppable, like, which uh-huh. is cool. Like, it's really cool. And I'll even say... Uh, Mike, you do get to fight Heimdall. Uh, probably not a big spoiler. And I'll say at the beginning of that fight, I was also like, I don't know how to hurt him. <laughs> After thinking like, oh, is some movie supposed to happen that I'm not doing? Am I not doing this right? And then eventually figured it out. But um, yeah, Heimdall is so explicitly hateable. I actually will say I did feel that same hate. It had to grow because while odin is like you know manipulating atreus throughout this game i also felt 
not manipulated, but I could like see why he was strung along, able to be strung along so far. Mm-hmm. And that's because he's just so manipulative. He's a gaslighter. Like he is an emotional abuser. And like, I was he's sort toxic. of, yeah, but like he also <laughs> shows like, he's also like, will appeal to, you know, Atreus's sensibilities of like being accepted and like having his abilities uh, be sort of glorified or or honored so so but that, a lot different than heimdall's sort of explicit hate ability i would say okay i have an end game point i want to make uh now while we're on the topic mike yeah i want you to just take off your headphones until i give you a thumbs up i'm gonna go to the bathroom okay <laughs> uh this something that really bothered me in a way that Marvel movies have bothered me recently yeah. is that this game sets up this redemption story where Kratos decides he's not going to kill the gods. And then what happens? Both Thor and Odin die anyway. I really didn't like that, especially Thor. I thought one of those guys needs to live. One of them needs to be the new model in this Norse world for how a god can actually be good. And instead to just kill them, it, they're just gone. I, I just thought that kind of sucked. I I sort of saw that as more like the the flip side to Kratos's story, right? Because Kratos is this guy this who's killed gods before and doesn't want to do it anymore. And these guys will also do that if they so choose, right? Like um Odin kills uh Thor, uh mm-hmm. for example, his own son. And uh then I, 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 yeah, to me, it's like I saw it as like the reverse because they can't stop. They Kratos has the awareness that like he should stop, and they, based on like their um, just like philosophy and the way they see how they should be doing things, won't ever um, they won't stop. Like, and that's and that's Kratos or Atreus is like, I wish you hadn't said that. Like, uh, yeah. to, to, uh, to Odin and, uh, it's just, that's how it had to go. So I could see how you could see it that way, um, or how it could be read that way, but that's like, yeah, that's how I saw it. Right. That's interesting. Uh, Mike can come back in now. Um, oh, that was great. He like, you barely even <laughs> motioned and he knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Mike, how was the bathroom? Great. In and out. No problem. <laughs> um well we're off that spoiler i'm gonna say something that i don't think it's a spoiler to say what doesn't happen but part of um my issues with anticipation too is i am a fan of norse mythology my grandparents are scandinavian that's like that's something i grew up knowing about and in the real yeah real the literal ragnarok uh from mythology all these big things happen where you fight the giant wolf and thor and the serpent have this giant duel and all these crazy things and i didn't even feel like this game touched on all that stuff the Mm -hmm. end of the world i didn't really feel those stakes yeah i think that's a good that's like i'm i got neil gaiman's norse mythology book because I just want to know more about it. And I think, yeah, the game, like, I mean, I also, the original games don't really set you that much up for, like, knowing real Greek mythology, only because <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, this Kratos guy's not real. 
but or not true to the story or whatever. But like, you do, I feel like in those games get a better sense of like what their thing is like apart from uh, that they're you know played evil for the game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think you get a little more context uh, in those other ones. I think that's a little true. Uh, Connor. Yeah. Mike. Oh, I was going to say, it, it doesn't feel like there is the threat of the end of the world because even though the world of the game is big, it's not very populated. Like, I don't get the sense of like, oh, the world's going to end for all these people. It's like, okay, there's the woods that only Kratos has a house in. Yes, yes. And then there's like a little village over here, and then this is where Odin and his friends live. And I'm like, okay, so who does it affect when the world ends a little bit? But. Even in Svartalfheim, the dwarf realm, where there are supposedly a ton of people, almost every dwarf is hiding inside as yeah. soon as you show up through the rest of the game, and you go back there a few times. Uh, so that uh, that's not something I had thought about uh, either, uh, just about how empty it feels and how outside of like you knowing that there's this threat of Ragnarok, but like the tangibility of being in a game and not feeling how that's going to affect the game itself. Uh, but I will say, even though it is sparse with human people, which it's fine. The, the game is doing other things. There's bugs it, everywhere. There's little creatures <laughs> everywhere that I really I like. like. That. Yeah. I like that. There's like a weird monkey in like a tree looking at you. And I'm like, is, is that, that an enemy? Was that new to the... I played the first game a year ago, so I should know of anyone. Is that new to this game because i don't remember that, that there were so many creatures that i had to ask myself am i supposed to do anything with this or not i think it's new yeah i think it's fun i like how it fills out the world and i at first like i was killing some of those bugs because i was wondering if it was like and it like w there'd be a chest or a, a, a droppable item that would pop up and yeah. then i realized oh no these are just creatures living and then i like made a point to not harm anything that wasn't harming <laughs> they're just me. there they're just vibing they're just like they're, yeah. they're, like, they're just there for the story they're like oh shit i saw that guy again <laughs> yes 